Hey, Crystal. Thanks for agreeing to host this show with me. You picked a great setting to record in. You're welcome. And it is. It used to be a crematorium before the police closed it off after those teens committed murder-suicide. What? I mean, listen to those acoustics. It really has that decrepit sound. The air is so musty. Are you okay, Crystal? You seem really... excited. You set up the equipment. I'll just dance around like I'm in many contemporary movies of this age. Okay. Well, um... You're... limber. And your skirt is... Now it's right above your waist. Oh, wow. You like? Yeah, I do. How about I slip into something more comfortable? Like this. Oh, wow. This night is getting more eventful than I thought. Nice fangs. What? This is when people run off screaming. Why? Well, usually the pustules scare them. Well, I went through acne as well, but, you know, you're still stacked and you got nice yellow eyes. Really? You think I'm pretty? You should have seen my dates in high school. This is still a step up. Well, okay then. Let's do this. You don't have teeth down there, do you? No, we're not reviewing teeth this time. I might gouge your eyes out. Hey, I can go home for free healthcare. I like your style. You aren't recording this, are you? Of course not. Hello and welcome to The Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take a horror movie every week suggested by our listeners and break it down into what we like, what we didn't like, and anything else we find fun or relevant. My name is Mike, and I never work The Graveyard Shift alone. Tonight's co-host isn't my usual Shelly, more like Mary Shelley. Please say hi to Crystal Bilbray. Hi. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I can just feel the excitement coming from your voice. <laughs> I'm actually very excited, although I do miss Sheldon. Oh, yeah. Sheldron 3000 had to uh, go into the shop for repairs. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be back soon. <laughs> well, he's on vacation, actually. Uh, you know, just spending time with family. Good, good for him. Yeah. It'd be nice yeah. if I had that, but my family is so close I can never get a vacation. <laughs> I don't know what a family's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Just when I thought I made it sad, you're just like, st- hold my beer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the downer episode of the Graveyard Shift. <laughs> okay, before we uh, get into tonight's movie, uh, Crystal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like what you do or your love of horror? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. I, crap, I don't know what to say. I'm currently unemployed. (laughs) Don't you mean fun employed? Fun employed, yes. (laughs) Life is full of opportunity for you. Oh, yes, it's very full. They're just not knocking. Um, let's see. I, uh, I spend most of my time writing horrible one-liners for Facebook for the two friends that like it. (laughs) <laughs> so in other words, you would have been perfect for this movie. 
yes, it would have been absolutely perfect for it. Um, and going into that, uh, some stuff about the movie, because I don't want to talk about myself anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should introduce it. <laughs> yeah, let's introduce it. <laughs> okay, well, tonight's episode is Night of the One-Liners, because we watched Night of the Demons. Released in 1988, in October 14th, we're making it a perfect Halloween, well, priming it to be a Halloween blockbuster, it did not do so great. It had a box office return of 3.1 million U.S. with a, uh, a 40% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it uh, it did not get great reviews. It uh, It's gotten more received over time. But, uh, yeah, it... Uh, the New York Times reported that the cleverest thing about Night of the Demons is its advertising campaign. And they also said, it's stupid, sexist, and at 89 minutes long, it feels unforgivably long. <laughs> well, Which is sad, because it's right in the sweet spot for uh, for Sheldon, as far as runtime goes. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's pretty good for having that kind of a return. Um, it was only filmed in four weeks. Um, I thought they did a pretty killer job for that. Yeah, they did a great rush job. There is no uh, information I can find on its budget. I imagine it wasn't that great, so maybe it broke even, maybe it bombed, maybe it turned a profit. Actually, I have that information. One second. I have all my tabs are open to the special effects, so give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you're making it so pressureful, if that's a word. <laughs> Full of pressure, pressing down on me. Well, we'll talk about a little bit more trivia about the movie while we're waiting. This movie had a soundtrack that, you know, I'm pretty sure the, the budget for the soundtrack wasn't that great. But that has nothing to do with the quality, because the soundtrack was provided by the director's brother. That's right, it was directed by Kevin S. Tenney, with music by Dennis Michael Tenney. And we'll get into the soundtrack a bit more into the movie. Okay, so it looks like the budget was $1.2 million U.S. dollars. Wow, so turned a tiny profit. Yes. That is awesome. But there's quite a few things about this movie that is awesome, which leads us into the goods. And uh, usually I start off with the goods, but since I'm a gentleman, ladies first, what was something you loved about Night of the Demons? Okay, so my first good was the uh, the bare ass in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Although I later went back and decided that the credits and the theme music was probably going to be my first good, but I was very blinded by ass at that point. <laughs> so, um, blinded by the butt. <laughs> it had a, um, it, it didn't feel like, you know, here's some nudity right, right here. 
it, it, it actually felt like it flowed with the scene, you know, and I appreciated a, a nice rear end looking back at me. <laughs> so that's my first like. Yeah, my that's uh, that 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 was my third like. Like oh. five minutes in, and we're treated into some white girl booty. This this movie knows how to keep keep someone's attention. Yes, it does. And the girl is putting on a tutu without panties. Like it it like it just looks like she's aiming to bone tonight. Oh, she was wearing tights though. That's what you did back in the day. And here's the thing with that. I actually have that as one of the the extra notes that I have. Um, the tights in this movie that the main girl Judy is wearing. Those are the, like the real hero of this movie. They stay together until the very end. <laughs> and they're like almost pristine the entire time. White tights. I swear to God. It, now, I don't know if they make them differently, but if you just look at a pair of tights, they start running. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> it's so good to have a female perspective on this show. <laughs> you almost stole my first was the uh, the fantastic opening to this movie. It had like a Burton-esque black and white diorama of macabre settings, like a cemetery with picket fences, stills of bony demons, like almost like on a string flying into a haunted house with shredded ghostly drapes, cobwebs, a hung corpse, all punctuated with a pointy font written in pumpkin orange with a very lovely, nice, synthy soundtrack, which is very reminiscent of Michael Myers' theme, but also backed with a bit of a progressive rock beat, culminating in an animated fireplace morphing into a pumpkin, which transitions into a real-life pumpkin on the car uh, belonging to shitty teenage John Candy. <laughs> That's perfect. I did not make that connection, but I really enjoyed his underwear in this movie. The, the pumpkin boxers. <laughs> it almost looked like the uh, like the silver shamrock signal in <laughs> Halloween 3. Uh, so what was your next good? My next good, I guess, yeah. My, besides the whole movie just being really good, I, the next big thing that stood out to me was basically towards the end was the makeshift pipe blowtorch. <laughs> that just really just erased most of the movie for me because I was like very fixated on that and kind of wanted to try it but I was getting so mad when she was trying to light the thing like move the flame away for like try and light it first and then put the flame to it but that's just my mind um all right my next good is the old man who overreacts to a fat guy mooning him just as badly as he reacts to a lovely teenage girl that sees that he's dropped his stuff and wants to help him. And then he's just like, he, he insults the shit out of her. And then as she walks away, he starts picking up his groceries, cackling maniacally at, at both razor blades and apples. Okay. I, I wanted to say something about that, but I wasn't sure if I can add in a little extra while you're talking about the good stuff. <laughs> because that's what really bothered me about him. Who, What kind of an old man is grocery shopping at night on Halloween? That goes against every old man thing you've ever thought. You know there's going to be a bunch of kids out. You, It's nighttime. You're tired. You, you should be home. Yeah, the stores are going to be filled with teenagers. 
that is definitely the time to be indoors. Like, he, he knew what he was getting into. Yes. So he kind of deserves it. And I think he just wanted to have a bad attitude towards someone besides his wife. Yeah. How good is the marriage if you'd rather be in a very unpleasant environment that obviously causes you distress than be at home with the with the missus? That, that sounds like marriage. <laughs> uh, broken homes. So... <laughs> Okay, what is another one of your goods? <laughs> uh, and this actually plays into the old man, too. His death at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just poetic genius. Like, the whole story, like, it's just, it starts with him, and it ends with him, but it's really not even about him. It's about the <laughs> wife, and she just, demolishes him in the perfect way. The, the effects were brilliant in that part right there, too. But The one thing they foreshadowed. <laughs> it was just amazing. I don't know why you buy so many apples. Like, perfect! <laughs> and, but who wakes up the next morning to apple pie? Yeah, that is not a breakfast. Maybe with razor blades it is. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's how you get your iron. <laughs> Okay, my next good is the convenience store scene. We've got Pac-Man sound effects take, taking you back. Like the fact that it just wasn't like some cheap knockoff. They, I don't know if they sprung for the license or if they just thought that, uh, uh, a, damn it, who owns uh, Namco? That Namco just wouldn't sue them for just outright blasting Pac-Man sound effects throughout the convenience store. And uh, then we see the, the the dark prom queen, by way of Dr. Frankenfurter, cleaning out the store from the magnetic, while the uh, the two clerks are drawn in by the the magnetic allure of the flat ass of the puckish Liana Quigley. <laughs> I didn't even see an ass, honestly. All I saw was just lower lips. <laughs> that was it. They were just legs that held panties. Pink panties. <laughs> yes, that was it. And I, I thought, you know... We already saw a better butt in this movie. Yes! Like, why would they do that? I don't know. Downgraded real good there. Yeah, but the, you know, it just goes to show what the pickings are in this town, because those two guys... One guy looked like uh, Joey Pantaleone from The uh, Sopranos and The Matrix. <laughs> the guy with the glasses yeah <laughs> you picked the greatest references <laughs> my brain contains multitudes it's usually madness but you know every now and then i see something <laughs> and uh the fact is like they're so spellbound like basically she would have to be gone for about a good five minutes before they even realize that she's gone yes but i i, I can see her a lord like despite her tiny size she uh she doesn't have much, but she works it like 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 nothing else. But that's also really it, it's interesting for the time period too, because I just I don't know about the eighties because I wasn't a teenager back then, but I can't imagine going around in that outfit being that blatant with my goods all out and about. Like that just seems like a whole lot for some snacks. Just in my head, but, you know. Oh, I, I, I feel you. So, what else tickled you about this movie? That's all I have for goods. 
I, I, I know. I, it's, it's more to the point where I didn't want to nitpick every single great thing because everything was really good about this movie. Even the bad stuff is good because it sticks in your mind and you want to watch it again because there were things that you missed. I do have a teeny piece of trivia if you'd like to hear it. Sure thing. Okay, so the girl... Oh gosh, what's her name? Susan? Suzanne? Um, yes, the, 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 the flat butt pixie. Oh no, not her. <laughs> the gothy one. Uh, Angela. Yeah, Angela. Uh, one of the pieces of trivia that I found was that when you first are introduced to her in the convenience store, her cross is right side up. And then after the kiss between her and Suzanne, um, it's upside down. Huh. I thought that was perfect. I, I'm so glad that they put that in there. And it's something I did not catch the first time. So it's nice to have read that and then went back and see it. And like, yes, that's perfect. Why didn't I catch that? Because I wasn't staring at her ears. I was staring at two girls kissing. But <laughs> It was pretty hot. Oh, I, I'll just have to blast by my goods then, and you can, like, feel free to add whatever you feel. Okay, the, I'll just the soundtrack, them. the soundtrack to this movie was immaculate. Most of it was original music except for one song, "Stigmata Martyr" by Bauhaus, which was well placed in this movie. Uh, when the when the gang comes in, there's this song blasting on called "Computer Date," and it's got. This this breakdown where a girl is just like, I record myself in stereo so we can both enjoy it or something. That's the best song. <laughs> and he mentions like weird things like punch card lunchbox. <laughs> it, it's just nuts, but the music is so synthy and great. This guy has done... A lot of work. Dennis Michael Tenney. He's done work for uh, about 60 movies in the music and sound design, as well as soundtracks. And I believe he did ADR, or uh, just basic sound production, for Leprechaun 3 and Ghoulies 4. And 56 other movies that I've never heard of, and probably you haven't either. Uh, Yeah, actually looking through them now, I haven't really seen... Yeah, actually, any of these. Some of them look really good. It uh, looks like he was involved most of, with Demons 3. Night of the Demons 3. M- most of those titles that he's been in, they sound like softcore pornos. Oh, that's a new, new venture for him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Angela, the way she looks, she she is like the perfect dark princess role model for, like, like the pre-Feruza bulk. Well, she was still a kid growing up, like this is obviously like some some influence for her look later on. And the dance she does to Stigmata Martyr is just spellbinding. Yes. It's not just like her rolling around on the floor. She does some moves. Didn't she um come up with that choreography herself? Hey, you've got the trivia tabs open, you can tell me. How dare you? I ought to look that up. <laughs> When she find when her possession is complete, her demon voice is basically Soundwave. <laughs> and uh, when the possession begins with Susan, uh, Evil Dead called. They said you did a great job with their camera. <laughs> uh, 
this thing goes through so many hallways. Like, I can't imagine the house being this big. Because it goes through about 18 twists and turns, knocking down doors, which apparently nobody hears. <laughs> and, it, and it ends by going straight down Susan's throat. Well, I mean, I don't know how many um, crematoriums that, see, I can't say that word, but that you've been in. But I imagine there's a separate house and the business section. So maybe there are a lot of hallways. Maybe. I'd imagine there'd be the viewing rooms in the uh, in the main floor and then like all the working rooms, like the places where they they stuff, drain, and embalm. And, well, that and was cremate. all in the, in the basement. Or was that just the incinerator? Hard to tell. Hmm. Um, another good in this movie, within five minutes, we get the butt. Within a minute after that, we get boobs in a sheer bra. Yes. But 52 minutes in... The pink princess finally bears it all. That's disturbing that you call it that. <laughs> I'm calling her the pink princess, not not like a part of her. Okay. <laughs> that makes it a little classier. <laughs> <laughs> like just out of nowhere. Usually like when there's a topless scene in the movies because a girl's shirt has been conveniently ripped by a monster. Yeah. Or she's like running out of the shower. No, she's fully dressed, and then she just decides to just rip open her shirt and just stare around the room like she just had to let the knockers breathe. And then she starts, like, messing around with them with, with lipstick, but that's that, that stops being part of the good. Yeah, well, actually, I have a bit of trivia about that particular scene with the lipstick on the boobs and the prosthetics that she was wearing for it. Um... Yeah, Suzanne, she actually married the makeup artist that did the boobs on her. I thought that was That cool. is so sweet. It is. I mean, she went in to get a mold of her boobs and ended up taking home a husband. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's the way you do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, also, I believe she uh, also, if that's not the same guy, she married... She was proposed to on the set of Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Warriors. She was uh, doing some prosthetic work. And this guy was like, just like hosing the KY jelly off of her. And then he just got down on one knee. And she, you know, like, how do you, how do you not, how do you say no to that? Um, yeah. How do you say no to that? That's the, that's the perfect proposal. So, you know, the, this lady has been around and she's, uh, I've seen photos of her on, on Twitter. She's still got the pink dress. <laughs> oh, well, it turns out that they were only married for two years. So that might have been another special effects artist who had proposed to her on a different movie set. How, how do you not? Like, it's, that, that's going to be, she's going to be fighting off proposals all the time. She's just like tiny, adorable, down for anything. She'll put on any prosthetic, like team player. Like that's just somebody that's really awesome. Yeah, she's not really my type. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Is thought she, she was short. No, I mean, I'm short. She's we're probably the same height, but I think out of all the female characters, I would have gone with the Asian girl. I thought she was really down for anything. Her 
you know, wanting to get it on in a coffin. I thought that was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. That was another good. Jill Tereshita playing Franny. She was in Sleepaway Camp 3 as well and also bared her top in that movie as well. So far in my uh, in my tenure on this show, we've only seen like one Asian topless shown throughout the 80s movies, and it's always her. She is good at what she does. <laughs> She's good at being there and being topless. I mean, I have no complaints with from my point of view. She looks great. And uh, one of my next goods is Susan is a sight for sore eyes. Uh, oh wow because <laughs> she gets on top of this guy after showing everything and she gets on top of the guy and you just think oh well i wonder how long it's going to be before she turns into a demon and you don't have to wait long because she morphs and he's of course like terrified but pretty hard to get up, pretty hard to get away from someone when they're like straddling you she's so tiny though yeah I mean, like, even as a de- even possessed by a demon, he should have been able to, like, throw her off or just, like, just do, like, a little, uh, like, an alligator death roll and just get out from under that. <laughs> well, maybe she had, like, a death grip on his, you know, situation. <laughs> I, I thought I heard a crunch when she morphed. And I'm just like, oh, my God, are they implying that, that she, like, teethed him? Well, he wasn't screaming, and I, I feel like you would have seen a lot of blood squirting out in that case. And uh, almost done with my goods. The uh, When Sal falls off the roof, and Angela, is, and Angela just says, uh, like, he, he should have been gone a while ago, but he had to stick around. And then we see his tombstone, and it says, like, Sal Romero. So, a nice nod to George Romero. And the rest of the tombstone says, Born 1970, died tonight. <laughs> that was classy. I like that. And the at the very end, when they manage to escape or run out the clock from the demons, the uh, they all smoke up, but not like the good smoke up. They all turned into they all turn into smoke. And then the smoke culminates into a uh, a bone dragon. Yes. I can't really say much. Oh, hold on. Looks like we're getting a uh, call. Hello? Hi. Hey there. We got a special guest. Are you recording right now? I am. Oh, Crystal? Hey, Crystal. Sheldon says hi. Hi, Sheldon. Hi, Crystal. I don't even know if she can hear me. But <laughs> yes, she can. I can. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. What movie are you guys watching? We're watching Night of the Creeps. I mean, you're Night watching of Night Demons. of the Creeps. Night we of the watched Demons. that movie already. <laughs> and Night of the Demons. There's so many oh, nights. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm on vacation, so I was just calling to check in and see how everything was going. So, yeah, I guess Crystal can hear me, but I can't hear her. No. But uh, all right, cool. Well, I won't bother you then. That's all I just wanted to do, just check in and. Uh, so, Crystal, good luck, and uh, don't fuck up my show. No promises. And uh, that's, uh, I'm talking to you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, it looks like Sheldon uh, sort of trusts me. <laughs> sort of. <Somewhat. laughs> it's nice to know he cares. 
Well, okay, now I guess the rest of the show is ours, and it's a. Uh, and that was a nice little break in the uh, goods because we've done enough praising for this movie. Well, not enough because there was just one section of this movie that was so good we couldn't just have it as one, as like one or two mentions. We just keep coming back to it. So we've got to just give this its own section, the one-liners. I mean, Crystal, this movie had one-liners up the wazoo, didn't it? It was honestly... Great. And I love one-liners, so this movie had it all for me. Ah, uh, and one of the first one-liners this movie starts off with is, I don't need your help, you little whore! <laughs> like, this girl, out of nowhere, just wants to help an old man pick up his damn groceries, and he immediately calls her a whore. It was probably the best thing, and I hope that when I am that age, I say things like that, and I don't get my ass beat for it. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. What, what? Okay, now let's just like trade off because there's, there's bound to be a lot of overlap. So you just tell me some of your one-liners from this movie. Uh, actually, I tried to narrow it down as much as possible. And my... Oh, shame. I know, I'm terrible at life. But my favorite one out of the whole thing, and it actually has a bit of trivia attached to it, was... Um, Eat a bowl of fuck. <laughs> that's the one I don't. That's one I don't have here. <laughs> I thought it was amazing, and it's a complete. And it's actually based off of the comedian, uh, John Belushi. <laughs> uh, he has said it in one of his live stand-ups. So I thought it was amazing that they can add that in there. And actually, anything Stooge had said in this movie was amazing. Everything, oh. everything out of his mouth was just knocking people down left and right. And it was the greatest thing to see. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to avoid Stooge's lines because I thought he was just like such an abrasive character overall. That was his beauty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll just rapid fire some of my highlights. I, I tried to like only put up like only the ones that made me really laugh was uh, <clears throat> when the little brother is waiting in the closet with a mask, he scares the shit out of his sister who's changing, and he gets so fucking inappropriate and says, Bodacious booby, sis. You keep growing like that, and you'll need to hire someone to tie your shoes. I have that under the what the fucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, what kind of a brother? If my brother said that to me, I would have lost my mind and just been so creeped out and not looked at him for at least a week that's so gross can i just live in the backyard now mom please <laughs> I, I i just wondered would this would this line have worked if they reversed the genders and a little sister busts out of the closet yelling awesome anaconda bro <laughs> You keep growing like that, and you'll need to hire a midget to carry it. Oh, that is the second movie, clearly. <laughs> and the, the the little brother does seem to come to his sister's rescue when uh, Sal comes along to try to muscle in his way into the uh, into the festivities. And the brother's like, Judy's getting ready for a date butthole. <laughs> I, I miss all the terminology from 
in the 80s. It was, it was so good, so choice. <laughs> uh, and Susan, like, after we're introduced to her butt, or lack thereof, she turns around and, like, she gives a sign-off to the clerks. Do you guys have sour balls? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. She goes, too bad, you mustn't get many blowjobs. <laughs> and, and the mother in this movie, she only shows up once. And she just gets shat on so much. She brings out these snacks out of the oven, which, you know what? Anything made of chocolate and, like, chocolate finger foods, they're going to look like turds. It well, doesn't matter. They were chocolate as long as they don't... Hmm? They're fudge logs. And she worked really hard on that cereal box recipe. And the sun just burns her alive <laughs> when... When her date doesn't want one. And she says, why would he want one? They look like sun-dried poodle turds. <laughs> That's such this a good line. Is, she, I, I, I bet you this kid was a young Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, I see that. Yeah. This was his origins. I think he needs his own movie. One thing, uh, I do have one stooge line. When they run, when they get a flat tire, the lady disses him like, I always wondered why they called you a stooge. And he says, I said I always carry a spare. I never promised you a tire iron. Okay, I'm not even going to lie. I said that to my boss last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, story time, go. <laughs> well, he came to fix my flat tire and I told him I had a spare. I didn't say anything about having the tools to change it. And apparently I have very unique tire bolts or whatever they are. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to go to two different places for them to literally rip these bolts off of my car so I could get my damn tire changed. <laughs> it was horrible. But what car did what car did you have? Uh well I have a Ford Escape and they had it they were recalled the bolts that are capped onto the bolts. I don't know what they are. Caps for bolts. <laughs> they were recalled and I didn't know anything. I don't know. I still don't know anything about cars and I don't care. So when things go wrong, I just call a man that's way bigger than me to do it. Fix it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was terrible. I did have the swear though, and it was not flat like the last time he changed my tire. So we're getting closer. <laughs> uh, but I actually do have yeah. another stooge line and and then I'll, I'll wrap it up with stooge but he says when they're all sitting sitting in the house and they're uh, looking at the mirror getting ready to do like seance he's like well, what kind of drugs are we going to need for this and I thought it was <laughs> fantastic that's something I wish I would have thought of in school every time a teacher proposed you know something that we're supposed to do <laughs> Uh, there are so many so many quick lines like when everyone shows up to the party and uh sam or sal he shows up out of the he was hiding in the coffin that someone else was trying to get in so you know he preempted a guy which was which was fun and he goes like oh, i'm just here to party <laughs> and they say yeah count dingleberry the flaming asshole of transylvania <laughs> He's just such anger in it. <laughs> He's so mad that someone got there before him. And that is so 
great because as a teenager or adolescent, that's exactly what you're thinking. Like, shit, this would be hilarious if I got there first. <laughs> and that was the best part. <laughs> and uh, one more stooge line when they're all talking about party games to play. And he looks to Angela and says, we'll play post office. You can be the stamp. <laughs> yeah, I uh, laughed so hard. I rewinded it twice. <laughs> it was so I, I wondered, did Hannibal Lecter get his influence from this guy? Oh, gosh. I hope so. Anthony Hopkins is just watching some shitty VHS movies. And he's just like, I need to incorporate that line into a movie. <laughs> and they, they, they even throw in like a children's book reference when uh, Judy's running from Susan and she Susan just sticks her just leans against the door frame and says run Judy run see Judy run <laughs> yeah that was good very clever that they put that in there and then when her uh when Judy's shitty date gets his eyes gouged out. He comes back as a zombie, as a blind zombie. And out of nowhere says, Judy, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> there has been no Jesus illusions throughout this entire thing. It's not like he was killed by being crucified or anything. I, do, you, do you remember the Bible when Jesus got his eyes gouged out? No. Uh, I think that was uh, the behind the scenes. <laughs> The Bible outtakes. <laughs> I, I, there was a little bit of Bible talk, though, with, um, oh, I forgot to say, Roger. Um, <laughs> him and his dad being a preacher. So I don't know why he's a pirate, though, because it would have been so much funnier if he came dressed as a preacher. But uh, you got the line. Say the line. <laughs> I think we should pray. My dad taught me how to real good. <laughs> my dad taught me how to pray real good not one of those shitty amateur prayers but the really effective ones yeah like prestige a class direct, prayers. direct line to jesus <laughs> i just want him these to pray the, over everything these are the one these are the calls he picks up on <laughs> uh so blind blind uh sam shows up or sam max johnny whatever asshole Nice. So blind asshole shows up and then Angela, she turns around and she has to one up the quip and goes, what, Judy, don't you like your blind date? <laughs> that was killer. The final line. I think like one of the final lines uttered by a man in this movie was apples. <laughs> <laughs> that old man kills me. He had such great lines and his um i don't remember when he said it now it was towards the end right before his death and he's like oh rotten pig trash they're all gonna burn in hell that is i want that on a t-shirt so bad <laughs> i want to call it one t-shirt <laughs> don't get greedy don't get greedy that's another t-shirt <laughs> that's the back of a t-shirt don't get greedy i have no ass <laughs> well uh we've praised this movie enough now it's time to take it to school it's time to uh 
you know, nothing's very few movies are perfect. And this movie is no exception. You led with the good. So I'm going to start with what in this movie disappointed me. And uh, first, did Freddy Krueger get his dialogue from mulleted shit stained John Candy? He's just so damn loud and profane. Yes. When his girlfriend, I don't know, girlfriend or date, I can't imagine anyone actually wanting to date this guy. This guy is teenage Cartman. He just, it, when, when he's driving his car, someone wants, his girl wants to change the station, and he's like, sit down, bitch! Oh, yes. but him, when he was turning the car, grabbing the wheel from her, after he told her to drive, that... Yeah, he says, shut up, he says, shut up and drive, bitch. Oh, God, and she almost misses and the turn. Turn here! doesn't like advise her to stop turn around or anything he just jerks the wheel to just to just don't to just don't just do donuts in the street but it was the greatest thing to see roger just like halfway outside of the window as they turn <laughs> just like a ragdoll <laughs> <laughs> and then when he and then when he wipes out the car i i don't even it doesn't even show what they hit or what they drive over so i'm just imagining he burns the car out so much it just grinds the tire down till it bursts and and then he goes shut up and start walking <laughs> yeah i couldn't be that guy's friend i mean i could just to see what he says next but i would probably give violin with him often <laughs> yeah he's definitely the kind of person that you would hang out with just to be like he's got to have some redeeming qualities like like there's a heart of gold under the gruff exterior no he's just a fucking asshole yes the entire movie so what was something in this movie that just you know disappointed annoyed you or otherwise grinded your gears okay i have one that really bothered me um why why can i not remember her name the main girl Judy? Judy, yes, thank you. I even have it written down. Ah, Judy's tights. Okay, so what really bothered me was when she was locked in that room, uh, like her boyfriend just like shut the door, locked her in, and she's so chill about it. She like tries at the door a couple times, and she's like, well, I guess I'm just locked in here. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I was locked in a haunted house at any point in life, I would be going crazy. There's a big window right there. I would have thrown something out it. I would have been calling his name, screaming at him. I think it was a little ridiculous that she was so calm about it, but that probably just proves that she's really into, like, kind of abusive guys. I mean, she kind of likes the way Sal talks to her. This is getting into whole psychology, but... <laughs> My next bad. She pushes off the creep that only went out with her because he heard that she puts out. She stands up for herself, so you think, oh, fine, we're going to get a respectable, like a respectable female hero for our lead. No, she caves in and asks him to come back before he even closes the door. And then later on in the movie, she falls and can't get up. Then she's, she's just in a room where someone tries to come out of a coffin. She slams the lid. No, not even then. At this point, she hasn't discovered that yet. She just gets attacked by an arm on the floor. She kicks it away. And it's not attacking her anymore. And she just screams for about a good three or four belts. And then she ends up crying on the fucking roof, needing other people to die to save her. 
she's fucking useless. And when she finally makes it to the basement, she doesn't get that a funeral home would have a crematorium until she's actually grabbing bones and ashes in the oven. She's perplexed at this at some point, thinking like, what, is this like a big boiler or something? That was extremely annoying that she didn't know what it was. Oh, it got worse. She asked about the plot three times in that. Just like Peter denying Jesus. <laughs> There's the wall. The wall that demons can't cross, right? There's the family that was killed, right? There's the plot that I won't stop explaining to you, right? Well, it's kind of interesting, though, because I think that her character was completely foreshadowed right when they walk into the building. She's like, can we go home? And nobody says anything to her. She's like, well, I guess not. Like, yeah, you're not important here. <laughs> Clearly. You're not important to these people. You're you're not even important to the plot. <laughs> My next is just like this one. St- well, there are some st- stupid lines, but this is one terribly stupid line that I can't reconcile. Was when Max, they when they drive up to the haunted house, Max says, oh, yeah, this belonged to like the... This was owned by a, a funeral home director and his wife. One of them went crazy and slaughtered the others and committed suicide, but they couldn't tell who. How do you know it was a suicide then? <laughs> that, yeah, that is pretty terrible. I kind of just, you know, glazed over that. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I hope that's not a setup for, like, this entire movie to go downhill. Thank goodness it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so what was another what was another uh, bad or or just anything that that displeased you? Uh, you know, honestly, that that was it for my bads. That was like the biggest thing was just the complete acceptance of being treated like trash for most of the characters. Um, <clears throat> when I wish I remember the names of these people. <laughs> Uh, the guy who was dressed as a doctor uh, that gets his arm cut off. He, when he was uh, messing with the fire and um, Susan was dancing in front of him and he's just staring at her. And his girlfriend just comes, comes over and has a cute little line like, you know, here, this will cool you off. That would never happen. She would have smashed his face with that beer. Well, can you really blame him? It's not like he asked Susan to come over and moon him. That's fine. He can look, but put the job back up. Like, try a <laughs> little bit. Because there, there's levels. I mean, I've been on dates where a guy has literally just, like, looked over my shoulder and then followed that girl to where she sat. Like, oh, no. That's fine. I, I got that. I got the hint real clear on that one. But this girl... She just, like, hands him a beer and then sleeps with him in the coffin. She deserves to get her head snapped right right when she did. And unfortunately, she had a quick death. But I like when she co- she, <laughs> she comes back and her head's still backwards. But she pops up out of the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't like was Susan's prosthetic boobs. Yeah, they they did good, but... They they did not look like the originals. 
because we see Susan open up her shirt and we see the natural ones. Then, then it pans away to something else. When it comes back, hers, her breasts are suddenly a lot shinier and uh, uh, pimplier and more pockmarked. Yeah, and very stiff. And she's running the lipstick, which changes colors, by the way. If you notice from her face to her boob, those are not the same lipsticks. Sorry. But anyway, so she's like trailing the lipstick and it just, you can tell, like the boob doesn't even move. Okay, in this same scene, she's running along these prosthetic boobs, and you wonder, why does she have fake boobs? What are they getting at? Oh, she shoves the lipstick tube inside her nipple. Yeah, what was the point of that? It, it doesn't, dis- it's not to freak anybody out or disturb them, and the lipstick, it's not like she needs to store the lipstick somewhere where she needs it later. It's just a, a gem in the holograms version of Videodrome. Where instead of shoving a cassette tape with orders into a guy's stomach, it's just, I'm going to put lipstick into a girl's tit. Oh, maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe because she's hollow inside. She's very vain. Mmm. Speaking of the guy that was uh, the doc, the guy dressed up as the doc that got one-armed by the coffin. (laughs) He has the worst zombie makeup of all. It's like they nailed the arm. They made it look like something that got sheared off by a coffin lid. But then they quit. It makes, I had to ask, is he even a zombie or is he just smart enough to hide the pain and follow their lead? Yeah, it was so bad. But that also Sal, when you first see him as a zombie coming back, they only took the makeup down just to where it meet, uh, his neck meets his chest. And then he's just tan and shimmery. Like he's been sweating. He looks time. like he's crying. Yes. He, he doesn't even look like he's like, ah, brains or anything. He looks like he's genuinely sad. Oh, but you feel bad for him the whole time anyway. You know, after the initial meeting him. He's like the nice guy. Yeah, yeah the douchebag. You think the douchebag is going to redeem himself. And then, oh, no, he's just someone else that's going to die. Or so. Yeah, it's bad enough that they're like zombie demons, but they also have telekinesis. Because when everyone is in the the boiler room, which, surprise, in a funeral home is not a boiler room, but a crematorium. <laughs> The, the the demons are banging on the door, and all of a sudden, uh, the hinge posts are sliding out so they can push down the door. Nobody thinks to put these hinge posts back in to buy some time. Yeah, well, Roger was completely useless in that entire scene, just sitting in the corner crying, and the brains of the operation is pulling at pipes, which she wouldn't... Honestly, I don't think her character would have figured out to do something like that, but... Yeah. I wonder if this was a metaphor that the Christian guy who volunteers to pray is not useful at all. Oh, that's deep. He just offended a lot of people. I, I'm just pointing out this what this movie might be pointing out. So if that offends you, this movie offends you. <laughs> it's all a cover. Uh, although, <laughs> if you're the type of Christian that's not offended by a girl's bare booty, bush, boobs, then, you know, what kind of Christian are you? <laughs> And uh, my last bad, um, how did Roger climb back up the wall to grab Judy when there was no wire on his side to scale the wall with? It had to be a stump. It had to be something. 
It's it, it makes no sense. He just like magically just ju- like jumped up the wall and he was in the exact same position he was before he fell. <laughs> it makes no sense. Other than he's extremely tall, but I don't recall him being all that tall. If it was, he wouldn't have struggled to get up. He wouldn't have had to use the barbed wire on his side either. He's also dressed as a pirate, though. He, he could have just used his basketball jump shot powers and just scaled the wall the first time. <laughs> but see, that's another thing. The barbed wire was actually attached to these pegs in the wall. Why didn't they just grab at the pegs? <laughs> They were sticking out of the wall in just the perfect spots for handholds. And he was even, in the beginning, when he was uh, first going at the wall, and then that one girl disappears. Cut her name, she was gone so fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, like, picking at this spot where, like, there's a, a semi-missing brick. That's a perfect foothold. How is this impossible that they have to grab the hardest thing, the barbed wire, and tear their hands up? But I will give props to Judy because she held on longer than I would. I would have given out way faster. <laughs> Why didn't anybody bite her? There wasn't like they were grasping at a dangling ankle. She was like halfway down that wall. They could have just like walked up to her and bit her. Uh, I don't know. I did think that the burning hand was pretty good. But the tights were not burnt. They were just slit. And then there was a burn on the skin. So that was great. But... Other than that, I have no idea. And, you know, any movie that you've seen a girl dangling her legs, you're gonna see the shoe fall off. She did not lose her shoes. That outfit was on point. Her hairband stayed in the whole time. Perfectly coiffed hair. And she didn't even... a burning corpse to damage those tights. Yes! Which, I really want those tights. They just don't make them like that no more. And everything... She wasn't even hardly dirty in this entire movie until the end. And uh, when she was hanging off of, I'm just ranting now, but when she was hanging off of the building and her arms are hanging on that wood, uh, just plank there, the only thing I could think is how is she not getting, uh, not paper cuts, what are they called? Splinters. Splinters. Yes. How is she not getting splinters the whole time? She's shooting, like, down with her arms over there. It's, it's a whole thing, but. Sorry. Ah. Uh, and, uh, I think it's time to bring back. Well, not time to, because we've already brought this back for a few recent movies. Uh, the What the Fucks. This is just parts of the movie that were just completely unexplained, have no pl- ref- no uh, things, no ties to the plot. They just come out of nowhere. They have no explanation, and they never get explained. When Susan is luring Stooge to the bathroom... She locks him out of the bathroom and he goes, uh, I, I thought maybe we could go in there together. <laughs> Was this guy into water sports or scat play? On what might have, on what clearly would have been his first hookup with this girl? I mean, that's ambitious. It was. I felt kind of bad for him in that situation because he, she was pulling him like, hey, let's go have fun. By the way, I'm going to go, you know, Drop some weight. <laughs> you wait here. <laughs> it just never opens the door again. And he just, but he's so patient about it. He just like mills about until you see him <laughs> a long time later. 
walk into the common room again. Like, I, I, I don't understand. He doesn't seem like he's got to go to the bathroom anymore, so who knows where he went. <laughs> uh, what about you? What, what's, what's just something in this movie that just absolutely puzzled you, befuddled you, and had no, no relation to anything else in this movie? Well, we've already hit on it. It was definitely the boob eating the lipstick. I just <laughs> don't understand. I mean, I love random effects being thrown in wherever you can, but this, it, it just had no, it just, it didn't have enough, you know, unless I was hoping that the nipple was going to open up and be like a mouth and like chomp at the lipstick and spit it out or something, but it, just, it had nothing. It just like disappeared and she was like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> oh, I know what they could have done. What? When she's going to hook up with, um, not Max, who is the uh, the shitty date that decided to dump his Alice in Wonderland girl and end up with her? <clears throat> is his name not Max? I've been calling him Max this whole time. Uh, uh, Jay? Jay! That sounds good. Yeah, so she's hooking up with Jay, and I this is where the nipples could have come into play. He starts sucking on them, and then he starts screaming, tries to pull back, and you see that this time the nipple is sucking on his tongue and just pulls his head in. Yes. That would have been amazing. Oh, my gosh. All, all I see, though, from that scene, it's so funny. When she turns into a zombie and she's just like, stop looking at me. <laughs> That's all I want to do now. Like, just freak out every guy I'm ever going to be with. And just <laughs> kill the mood dead. <laughs> Don't look at me, I'm nervous. <laughs> I wish I had a mask that's like her face. <laughs> look, I'm really self-conscious about my mole, okay? <laughs> look at my tits. <laughs> <laughs> they they do tricks. They eat lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say... what. Something that really just startled me was a line of dialogue when Franny and um, Max are hooking up. They're completely naked. They they found one of the coffins in the in the uh, in the common room, the presenting room, and they're going at it. We get to see her boobs. She's on top of him. Everything is good. And then Stooge comes out of nowhere as a zombie after he's gotten his. After he's gotten his tongue bitten out, which was great, she uh, she gets her neck snapped by him, like falls on top of him limp because she is, of course, dead. And then Stooge like grabs the coffin lid and starts lowering it on Max, like with this body in like with, the, with her body on top of him, like he's just going to close them both in the coffin, which, you know, given that the lid is concave, it could accommodate those bodies like he closed the lid. Yeah, it's. It's it's unpleasant, but you'll be fine for now. But no, Max says, Stooge, no, not now. <laughs> when is it a good time to have your hookup murdered and then have a coffin lid closed with with her in it? I missed that whole part, that him saying that. Stooge, not now. He says that while trying to push the her dead body on off of him. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, was this the bad time? It's like those, it's like those diarrhea commercials. 
Like, have you had this at a bad time? Well, when's the good time? When you're behind in your reading? You know, that's a perfect commercial. You know, uh, being in a coffin and then you accidentally get diarrhea. I mean, that's a perfect time. When you really don't want an accident. <laughs> it's like, listen, everyone's here to gather. This is going to be everyone's last memory of me. I've really got to put on a decent show. A real shit and show. The mortician, and the mortician that didn't do his draining part properly. <laughs> it was stooge. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and here's uh, my last one. Uh, seems to be a continuity error. With, again, with these two, Fran and Max, they were, they were fucking in the coffin, so they're naked. But when they come out of the house in the final scene... He's still, he's, he's, they're both dressed up again. Oh, I didn't notice that. When the hell did dead naked Fran and Max put their clothes back on? When did demons give a shit about modesty? Hmm. You know, maybe Roger was praying for their clothing. <laughs> he's just like, please don't let me get killed by naked, but my naked friends. <laughs> and God's just like, okay. He just puts the clothes on him. Well, what about the not killing me part? Dude, I, he's like, motherfucker, I help those that help themselves, okay? Mysterious ways. Now get to it. <laughs> wow, I'm going to have to go back and watch that part again, because I did not notice that. Wow. Well, as if you needed another reason to watch this movie again. Third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that seems to be the end of our uh, our main critique, but there's one more segment, and that is my kill of the week. <laughs> And for for the longest time, I thought this was going to go to... I keep trying not to call him Sloth. <laughs> Sal? Stooge. Stooge. Okay. Sloth. I like Sloth. It, it, it's, it's better than calling him Barf. <laughs> he does look like Barf. Uh, especially with that pig nose. He, like, he is... A, he's just a slight... God, if that guy's still alive... He would be the he would like he would be a great guy for a sequel in Spaceballs. Yes, but I wonder if he still has that hairstyle with the the colored <laughs> razor cut on the side. I don't know what you call that, but it was phenomenal, and it was really ahead of its time. I really thought that for the longest time in this movie, I thought he was going to be the big the big death because. Uh, Angela dancing around, flash dancing like a maniac, maniac on the floor. And she ends up putting the moves on, on Sluggo. <laughs> and she starts kissing him and you think, oh man, he is like, he is getting way more, he's getting way luckier than this guy deserves. He's a friggin' asshole. But then he starts screaming and pushing, trying to push her away. And when he ends up, when he finally gets separated from her, he's bleeding profusely from the mouth. She has bitten his tongue. She has silenced the loudmouth asshole. And I thought, this is justice. This is great. This is my kill of the week. But no, in the very last minute of this movie, the old man, we return to the old man who is, again, just pissed off that these two kids are walking home. I really thought that he was going to be upset that it was because a white girl and a black guy were walking next to each other. But no, he just hates kids. He's not a racist. He just hates all kids. Yes, they're they're rotten pig trash. <laughs> and he 
ends up having breakfast, an apple pie is waiting, a tiny apple pie. This is like an apple tart. <laughs> I really thought it was quiche at first. But he starts biting into it, and the wife is just like, I, I don't know why you brought so many apples, but I had to do something with them. And he's like, apples? And then we get to see, like, how did this escape when he was chewing? Because the razor blades decide to just burst through his throat like the Predator's children. I mean, like the, like the Xenomorph's children. <laughs> you know, and he was taking such dainty little bites, too. That is shit you would have noticed. Like, how do you stab your fork through this to pick it up without hitting the metal? Luck. Just luck. <laughs> uh, he didn't even swallow the apple pie. He just swallowed a packet of ra straight razors. But how did she peel the apples without cutting herself if he had already put the razors in them for the kids? Yeah, he's not eating like full apples. He's eating apple slices. How do you, how do you, get the 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 razors in apple slices? I don't know. We need science on this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we thought like, oh wow, did the wife like really catastrophically fuck up? No, she kisses him after he's like ah, ah, apples. And then when his throat just opens up, like I really expected, I really expected a a, a, a tiny a tiny face hugger to burst out of his neck and start doing the Michigan rag. <laughs> she was so calm about the whole thing, and it was amazing just to see her like just her happy little smile about it, knowing what she had done. She, she's my hero. Uh, so this guy who played uh, uh, Shitty? <laughs> yeah. His name is Hal Havens, and he has been on Parks and Rec, Justified, and he's oh, he also played a prospector in Westworld. So he is still kicking it and getting work on high-quality shows. Wow. Go him. Must have traded in the mullet, huh? <laughs> ah, so this has been our coverage of Night of the Demons. What did you think? Let us know. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. Just message us. Say hi. If you have a movie that you want to suggest to us, reach us through our social media. That's GYS underscore horror pod at Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash the graveyard shift pod. You can check us out there. And if you want to support the show, you can just tell people about us. Subscribe to us on any place you get uh, your podcasts. You can also uh, support us financially at patreon.com slash graveyard. For just a dollar a month, you can hear bonus episodes where we will break out of our uh, usual mold and talk about video games, uh, magazines, any, any non-movie horror element, or we will just do a movie review, but differently than we do here. No goods, no bads. We just do a point by point. We just do a scene-by-scene -scene synopsis of the movie. And, of course, by uh, by supporting the show, you also get fast-tracked on your suggestions. We have a big list of movies. If you want yours bumped up, you know, show a little support, and we will return the favor. And if you want to hear any podcasts I'm on, I am on the Tech Chatter Podcast with Rich Reader, where we talk about tech, uh, science, any neat devices or uh 
breakthroughs in tech or tech news. I've also got the Playing With Power podcast where I talk about Nintendo Power Magazine. Then there is the Taste Test Retro Gaming with Flavor, where me and Ivan also, in addition to reading Nintendo Power, we also play old video games and do some skits. And I'm also on the Schlock Chatter podcast, which which Rich will release. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> eventually. And uh, Sheldon will be back soon. Crystal, do you have any uh, online stuff you would like to plug right now? Um, you can catch me on Instagram. It's K-R-O-Z-E-1-7, which is K-Rose, not Crows. And uh, I believe Twitter is the same thing, although I lack a little bit on that. <laughs> uh, Facebook is always good. Crystal Bilbray, B-I-L-B-R-A-Y. And just anything you want to do, come talk to me. I don't care. No nudes, please. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a reasonable request. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if Sheldon would be expecting me to be disappointed or not. <laughs> So that was our thoughts on this movie. Uh, You know, let us know what you think. But uh, that's it for now. Until then, I'm Mike. And I'm Crystal. And thank you for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. (laughs) 